Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oitari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who is a firm believer in Chekhov's ship in a bottle. <laughs> I am uh, the Adam Glass, and if you show a ship in the bottle in Act 1, that ship better grow to monstrous size and sail the protagonist away by the end of Act 3. Like, uh, no joke, though. Start of the movie, and my brain, like, when he introduces that, I'm like, this is going to come up later. <laughs> like, there's no way you would write a script where you just fucking, like, hard out, like, lay out a ship in a bottle building skill for, like, fully, a full minute. Like, it just becomes a topic of conversation for a full minute. Like, it's the only, it's the centerpiece of the entire dialogue there. And then, like, not later on have it be relevant to his skill set. But, like, some sort of. Oh, I, well, like, well, what? Oh, you know how to do this? Like, oh, yeah, well, he builds ships in a ball. You know what I mean? Like, some minute craftsmanship type thing, like minor manipulation of something small or something using a pair of tweezers through, like, a hole. Yeah. You know, like, maybe a piece of electronics or something. Instead, it just turns out that, uh, the, I, well, you know, that it's totally irrelevant and the person has no skills yeah. whatsoever other than being an asshole. But, uh, occasionally I do things, uh, that I don't podcast about in my life. Yeah. And uh, and one of those things is that Sunday nights, often, I have a little bad movie group. And this past month, we've been working through uh, video game-inspired movies from the late 90s. Uh-huh. And we watched Wing Commander a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And in yes, the, I'm, I'm familiar. In one of the earliest scenes of Wing Commander... Uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s character is revealed to have a cross hanging around his neck that has a knife that pops out of it. Oh my God, it turns out to be useless. It is it? never really talked about. <laughs> the The oh, existence of the cross beautiful. is talked about. The existence of the knife never comes up again. That is wild as shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... I feel like that was probably just on the editing room floor, right? <laughs> probably. That's just, I hope. Like, I that hope. probably came up somewhere at some point. <laughs> but, like, I don't feel like this is that way. I feel like somebody just doesn't believe in, like, the concept of, like, narrative simplicity. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, somebody's like, I mean, that that shows throughout this film. But, like, <laughs> this is the, the hallmark of it is right here where he's like, this is what I do to relax. This is how I like, – and it's like – this is fucking irrelevant. <laughs> Has nothing to do with fucking anything. But I was like, oh, he's going to end up fucking like repairing a piece of like equipment through a hole in like a piece of machinery, like with a pair of tweezers. Like, I am here for this. Nope. And then it's like, nope. All he's going to do is be an asshole. It's world um, building, Pat. It's characterization. It is. Uh, it to is show us he has a rich inner life. Things. And a rich inner life of building fucking ships in a bottle. <laughs> um, and despite the fact that he is living in the most boring place he has ever lived, uh, he is still a boring person at heart, I suppose. Yeah, no, and oh man, like we need to get into this because it is hilarious. Well, number one, Albuquerque is not a boring place. <laughs> uh, I've been there. Uh, I've been there, like, obviously, uh, many decades later, but he gets served tacos, and I'm like, you're you're riding the culinary wave of the future, man. You just don't fucking know it. You want fucking chopped chicken liver? Just go fuck yourself, man. Uh like what? What the power of knowledge of the future is 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 intense with this movie. Gonna have to put an explicit warning on this one because you've used the f word at least seven times in the, in the introduction. In a, so. I'm in a mood. 
Apparently. I'm in the mood. Just remember your kids are asleep. Ah, <laughs> uh, they're in another room. Okay. And also, I curse in front of them constantly. Oh, so. I wasn't. Uh, just the, the, you're very clearly emotional about this. You're. I don't want you to raise your voice too much. Well, yeah. That's, unfortunately, we, we made an error when we built this house, and I am literally right under their bedroom. <laughs> And, and me and Remy have regretted that for a long time. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, man, we should have put this in the, we should have flipped the whole thing and, like, not put the children right over top of dad who yells once a week. Before we get into the movie, I do want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash lost in criterion. Uh, if you want to support us, keep us going, just uh, head over there. Just a dollar a month helps out. Uh, Patreon keeps trying to tell me that I should eliminate the one dollar a month tier. Yeah, and, they do uh, that now, huh? <laughs> but I'm not going to because I don't well, really like, care about Patreon. <laughs> but also, like, it's the weirdest thing. It's like, well, you'll, you'll drive up your numbers if you want. Like, if you no. uh, raise no. how it's like, no, those people will leave no. because As, we're not worth more than a dollar, really. <laughs> we are to some people, but generally, to some people, generally, like, well, this is a very niche product we're making here. Incredibly. Let's be very clear right. about that. <laughs> like, right. we're not worth more than a dollar to, I think, a lot I'm of people gonna... unless they're very, like, very specific yeah. in what they like. I'm going to take support however people want to share that support. Absolutely. And if it's giving I me a dollar, I'm not going to support. eliminate the means by which they give me a dollar. Uh, now, maybe I'll inch it up. I'll, I'll, I'll make the minimum one dollar and one cent. A dollar and one cent or like a dollar ten just to fuck yeah. with Patreon. <laughs> and if you, if, you, if you beat the average, uh, you'll... No, I I make no promises. You're, uh, are you not? And you're not going to go for the weird humble bundle scheme, I or will, like ah, if you give, if you if you subscribe at five dollars and twenty two cents, you get the whole pay. You get the whole podcast. The whole podcast is yours. You have. I don't to do know. It I now. don't know. I don't know. It's like because that, like that scheme just doesn't work with us very well. Yeah. Uh, send you the whole anyway. podcast instead of half of it. Yeah. One dollar a month over there gets you access to a non criterion collection film bonus episode that we do every month. Uh we uh we watch a real eclectic mix of films over there, even more eclectic than the actual criterion yeah, collection. Do. Uh which is pretty dang eclectic. Well, that's it's hard the, to believe. It's the last it's couple true. couple weeks have been any indication. <laughs> uh when we when we swing from uh Noir in Daylight film Ace in the Hole uh, uh, from Sweet Movie and WR. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty I eclectic mean, mix. Yeah, I, yeah, very much so. Uh, but yeah, uh, we, uh, we've watched a lot of really great movies over there and a lot of really terrible ones. Uh, we've watched at least one movie that later became part of the Criterion Collection. I, uh, I feel like we're we're slowly working our way towards just not doing the terrible ones anymore. I'll throw like up you a got, list of terrible ones at some point. I feel like you've gotten tired of the terrible ones. I kind of so don't like, want to be a bad movie podcast ever. Oh, I don't want to either. That's yeah. not a thing I want to do. Um, and so I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not criticizing you. Right. Let's be very clear here. I am on board for what you're doing. Yeah. I'm just saying... That we haven't had a terrible movie 
a terrible one in a while, and that's okay. <laughs> I see that that's okay. Uh, well, we have watched things like uh, Ernest Goes to Camp and Ready Player One mm-hmm. and Monster Squad and Critters 2 and Aliens. Uh, and Aliens uh, is not a bad movie. Aliens is not a bad movie. I, 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 was not I thought you were bad listing movies. bad movies. I got I was confused. Just, I was I'm mixing sorry. things together. Good movies, I bad movies. I find that very confusing. And I, I leave the listener to decide which is which. I feel like you're just doing what the Criterion Collection does anyway, <laughs> which is also very confusing to me. So, I mean, I guess These are all, important movies. It's very thematic. <clears throat> However you define importance. Um, I mean, I, don't, I cannot honestly say that every Criterion movie we've watched was an important movie. No. No, probably And not. I'm not even looking at Armageddon at this point. <laughs> I'm just saying, in general, like, some of these have just been like, what the fuck some is Some of the going ones on we've here? mentioned already. Uh, yes. Uh, but, yeah. A uh, dollar a month gets you access to those bonus episodes. Also gets you a vote on what, uh, what we're going to watch. Uh, the last poll I put up, uh, inspired by the fact that Parasite won Best Picture, and then uh, Criterion immediately announced that it would be part of the collection, along with uh, the uh, the film um, "Goodness Memories of a Murder." So we put up a list of Bong Joon Ho movies that don't include those two, uh, and uh, and our friends. Uh, well, after after a roll off, uh, because oh, everyone who voted off? voted for a separate thing, and Patreon does not allow like ranked choice voting. I, uh, they I rolled, should, though, right? They really should. I rolled the dice, and the host won out, and then someone who hadn't voted said, oh, I would have voted for the host, but I didn't get the notification about the poll. So it would have won. <laughs> but Okay, uh, well, that works then. That's Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we can operate in a clear conscience now. So, yes, our, our most recent episode as of this recording is The Host, uh, which Pat and I will be recording after this episode, so I can't tell you anything yeah. about it. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you could tell them about the movie. We could just do that now. No, no, we've got to talk very about, disjointed. We've got to talk something uh, about <laughs> it's another like movie. like suddenly slides into The Host. No, it's like, no, has Pat. nothing to do with ships in the bottle. What the hell is going on in this podcast? <laughs> what are they doing? It's fair. That's fair. Ah, for a little extra over there, $5 a month, we uh, like to thank those people on air. So thank you very much to Adam Spickerman and to Christopher Otto for your $5 yes, Thank you support. very much. Uh, glad to have you on there. Uh, a little above that, we do something that is really special. Uh, Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently, and I get those printed up on postcards. Write a little thank you note and mail them off. We also like to thank those people on air. So thank you to Jason Westhaver and Michael McGrath for your continued yes, support. Thank you so much. At $10 and above. Very glad to have you. Ah, Patreon.com is lost in Criterion if you want to get in on that. Uh, sweet action. Sweet action. If you don't want to get on that but still want to support us, uh, you're wrong. Review us on but... iTunes or something. Uh, we don't read the iTunes reviews. I think I said this last week. I haven't looked at them in three years. But uh... yeah, I listen to multiple podcasts where they like do a thing where they engage with the iTunes reviews actively, and it seems to work for them very well. Yeah, but we're not going to do that. I don't. I don't think that's a good idea for us. Uh, no, it would probably hurt my feelings. I like the ones that uh, I. I just remember a lot of ones where. Uh, the words of the review would imply a single star, but they still gave us at least three or five stars. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're very we're very charismatic. Uh, but yeah, reviewing us iTunes, talking about us, uh, just listening's cool too. You know. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy honestly the, when the, I get on when us. I get on uh, 
onto our website analytics and see that uh, the website has uh, 2,500 accesses every Friday, I'm uh, I'm intrigued uh, to be sure. Yeah, but I'm also too. pretty happy. I think there's I think there's some I I still can't believe that that's true. So I assume there's some sort of villainous robot out there just screwing with us. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Just downloading just a episode 2,500 times. Yeah. Yeah, there's a botnet out there just downloading our podcast 2,500 times a month or a week. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Maybe. maybe. I like of... to think that there's enough population on Earth that that's every time that's 2,500 unique people who have given up <laughs> with us after one listen. They're like, well, I tried it. It was predictably bad. We'll not be doing that again. <laughs> it's fair. But we'll live. This week we're talking about Ace in the Hole, a Billy Wilder movie. Yeah, we are. Uh, Also known as The Big Carnival. Originally released as Ace in the Hole, it bombed. And then they re-released it as The Big Carnival, and it didn't do much better. Uh, Well, like, I mean... And then it it existed as The Big Carnival for many, many years, to the point where a lot of people thought that was the original name. Uh, And then uh, Turner Classic Movies started playing it under the name Ace in the Hole, and Criterion released it under the name Ace in the Hole, and now it's re-recognized as its The Big Carnival is a stupid name for this movie. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, no, I mean, just Ace in the Hole is a better name for this movie. Neither of them are very evocative of what the movie is actually about. I think The Big Carnival might be a little more... uh, I I did Down I to, feel I really lean towards the other direction honestly. Maybe. All right, because the reason I lean towards that is because Ace of the Hole mostly engages with what his purpose and right. drive is. Right, for but, the but for the story, but the big carnival engages with what it's trying to say about society. That's true. I I guess that's true. But like what when when I think of movie titles, I would I would think more. I would be more inclined to lean towards the main characters purposes and motivations than than the sort of metaphorical commentary of the film I just, that's fair in this sort of narrative drop like in something like more like you know in your brunel brunel film or something like that like <laughs> it's okay to lean towards like your commentary because yeah. like in the end while this does have social commentary in it it is it is a it is a character it is a sort of plot driven drama yeah not a not a it, first, more than it is a social commentary, it, it, it does have a lot of that in it, but it, it is still about this this asshole. Yeah. Uh, so this is the first movie that Billy Wilder acted as writer, producer, and director on, which is a common definition of what we call a film auteur. Uh, this is where Billy Wilder really moves into auteur status. Uh, he... Uh, co-wrote this with a couple other people and maybe stole the plot. Um, no, based on what I just heard before we started recording, <laughs> definitely stole the plot. Yes. 100% didn't even bother to actually deny it. <laughs> well, they did deny it for a little bit, uh, and then the court told them not to, and then they settled out of court. How how does the Supreme Court rule against you and then you still have time to settle out of court? That's uh... I don't. I don't. I feel like... Somebody like I don't no, know I how think, that works. I, I don't, think probably I don't what understand. it was was the Supreme Court said a lawsuit could go ahead because right. the oral submission. Uh, basically, this guy uh, Victor Disney claims that he called 
uh, Wilder's office and told his secretary this idea for a movie. And then they made that movie. And Desney was and all like, give him credit <laughs> maybe you should give me credit. And Wilder said no. <laughs> so he sued. Uh, and the justification was that a uh, a verbal description of the movie did not count as an actual story submission. And the California Supreme Court said, yes, it does. You jerks. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, like, what a, what a batshit insane sort yeah. of uh, argument to be like, no, telling me a thing does not mean it was your idea. <laughs> It was my idea because you told it to me. Right, right. I own that now. Yeah, things you tell me belong to me now. That's like that's like the once you put a picture on the internet, it's public domain. Copyright arguments we get into now. Listen, yeah, the exactly. copyright system has a lot of problems. Don't get me wrong, but that's a pretty clear one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that thing you published, it belongs to me now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, also co-written by Charles Brackett. Uh, with whom Wilder had collaborated on both Lost Weekend and Sunset Boulevard. Uh, This movie basically only got made because of Sunset Boulevard, which had won an Oscar and was very popular, and everyone loved it. So Paramount basically told Billy Wilder he could do whatever he wanted and then immediately regretted it. Uh, Yeah, no, checks out. this, uh, (laughs) This movie bombed so badly that Paramount took the losses of this movie out of Wilder's <laughs> paycheck for Stalling 17. I mean, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Uh, see, we, you know, sometimes the Criterion Collection does a thing to me where it makes me realize that my argument in the previous week was, yeah. was weak. Yeah. I argued last week that the metaphor in that movie was a little too tortured. Yeah. Uh, that I And again, I, I do not, I, a thing I regret is that I f- it feels like I sounded like I was attacking it. I did like the movie, but whatever. Yeah. I just, it just, I didn't feel like the metaphor went, th- sailed through so easily. I regret that partially because I think probably we, we, we concluded at the end that it probably did very clearly for the people of the time and now, the place, but. You oh, actually mean bad. two weeks ago, I think. You're talking about the two face of ago. another. Last week, we talked yes. about the uh, the four short films that were included on that box set. Oh, that's yeah. right. I forgot. Yeah, but, that, that we did that. Yeah. Yes. So, but yeah, the face of another, I, I, I think probably it was very much a time and a place thing to make yeah. it make sense for people. This one, on the other hand, um, makes me realize that the previous one, I was wrong about how badly a metaphor can be done. Um. <laughs> Not, not not because this metaphor is not clear. I mean, it's yeah. very obvious, but it's almost hits you over the head with a hammer obvious. Yeah. And and not well done in, in that. So it's kind of sad, really. Um I I feel um it feels very much to me this movie feels very much like a thing written by feels very much like a high school drama play kind of so it seems it seems like you might metaphor you might agree uh with the uh the pool line from bosley crowther's review of this uh from the new york times at the time of release uh mr wilder has let imagination so fully take command of his yarn that it presents not only a distortion of journalistic practice but something of a dramatic grotesque it is badly badly weakened by a poorly constructed plot 
which depends on its strength <laughs> for its strength upon assumptions that are not only naive but absurd. There aren't any. De- <laughs> I'm sorry. There isn't any denying that there are vicious newspaper men, and that one might conceivably take advantage of a disaster for his own private gain. But to reckon that one could so tie up and maneuver a story of any size while other reporters chew their fingers is simply incredible," says Bosley, Cla- <laughs> Bosley Crowther of the New York Times. No, I get it. No, I I am not necessarily arguing that the that its interpretation of yellow journalism is wrong. Right. Um I do I do do take issue with the fact that he meets no one who is not awesome. simply manip- manipulated. That like literally every person he meets either has this weird absurd intense deference for newspaper men. Right. As though like it's like like it's like the police like he rolls in and it's like the police rolled in. He's like no, stand back. I'm a newspaper man. I'll take charge of this. Like, why the fuck are you in charge? What? And then, like, there, so, like, yes, yellow journalism, totally a thing. Not an argument that I am willing to, that is not what I'm arguing. I am arguing yeah. that it is, it is a kind of poorly written. Um, and partially because just how convoluted the whole thing sort of gets. Um, but also just how much... Like, there's no one there who's going to argue with him about anything, slash is not super greedy who will just roll over with this plan to essentially kill a person. And the other reporters show up, and every reporter... I mean, obviously, it's it's a closed system, too, right? Every reporter who shows up to cover this story is, of course, going to be of his ilk. Because the good reporters aren't covering this story. Right. (laughs) But he does... He he creates the media circus around this story as a way to uh, to backdoor himself back into a legitimate job, as far as his his view is concerned. Right, but not and, but a legitimate job just means a paper in New York, not not right. doing actual I mean, different reporting of news. Right, and and my issue is not it's not so much that that's his motivation. That's fine. That yeah. that he he his character is fairly clear throughout the movie. Like that he's just that asshole. Right, like I mean. It is sad because I could actually believe this person getting hired by a newspaper for <laughs> right, sure. Right. Uh, even even today, actually, probably even more so today. But um, that's not like it's sad, but that part seems accurate. My problem is that like there's no one around. This relatively low level, unimportant person is somehow able to manipulate every human being. It, it gets very <laughs> Silence of the Lambsy, but without the people eating. <laughs> Like as far as we're somehow aware. he's able to manipulate every human being around. No one's like, uh, no, fuck you. There's the one dude who's like, I don't think that's the way we should like get this guy out. And then like everybody shuts him down. But like, how is there no? There's nobody who like would go talk to the paper and be like to another paper and be like, this guy is <laughs> clearly. You know what insane. I mean? They're, like, yeah, like there's no way that there wouldn't be a whist- some sort of whistleblower that would like come out of this right like it's it's insane what's happening it is i think to to push back i will say that Mm -hmm. this is playing close enough that he's not he's not manipulating everyone so much as he's manipulating a few key people in a very small community a community of seven people in fact uh, well, I mean, yes and no, right? Because yeah. he's it's a community of seven people, which I 
I don't believe it. That... But he is he is also using his leverage over some of those people to get them to use their leverage over other people. Like And I and I and I get that. But my problem with that is is that there's enough communities and by the time you get to carnival levels, yeah. Like there's there's too many eyes for there's some for no one to notice that there's something wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Like now mind you those people might not be in a position to fix the problem, but they're certainly in a position to like go on a competing newspaper and complain. You know what I mean? Like you know what I'm saying? The fact that the entire narrative implies that there's no no uh contrarian voices is right. a little weird. Like think about the fact that like we you mentioned the New York Times. And yes, have they gotten us into wars? Fucking yes they have. Were there contrarian voices? Yes there were. There were. There were and and maybe the New York Times editorial page did or didn't feature those contrarian voices. Uh, and and maybe when they did feature them, it was essentially the the Onion article. Uh, this this will destabilize an entire region. Verse, no, it won't. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, keep in mind though, like com- there are competing papers out there that would want right. to run the contrarian story think, just to provide something to right. like sell to their readers. Right, and there should be, and we don't get that. There should be sort of post post hoc this there should be not post hoc uh post post all of this there should be some sort of uh probably investigation on our reporter uh that will make national news itself that he manipulated this experience to get us all obsessed with this thing but i also think and and you've already alluded to the iraq war uh there is a power in the first narrative right yeah, yeah, I agree. So once you've presented an idea and people have begun to accept that idea, it becomes easier for other people to accept that idea, and it becomes very hard for anyone to let go of that initial idea, particularly yeah, totally. when it plays to predetermined prejudice uh, about uh, ancient Indian burial grounds and <laughs> curses of stealing uh, stealing artifacts. Uh, I, I, the sad part for me is, is that in my brain, when we watched this, I was like, come on, like, you know, news, no self-respected newspaper would, would write a uh, story about Indian curses. I was like, yes, they would. In 1951, especially. I know. No, that's, I, I went through, I, yeah. I self-corrected right. in, while watching the movie, but in my head it was like, no one, no one, no one, no one would print that. Oh yeah, they would. Yeah, they, they would, would print that today, Adam. <laughs> yes, they would print they that do. right fucking now. Right. Right. But in my head, like, I couldn't accept, like, for a few minutes, my brain just would not accept that, like, yeah, we'll print a, we'll print a newspaper article about fucking Native American cur- curses in a mountain. Why not? My, I just couldn't. I couldn't. My brain just wouldn't let me for a minute. It was like, no, <laughs> please stop. Um, no, I, I totally, I get what you're saying, but I, and I know that to a certain extent, this is just going to be our sort of debate about this but i think the narrative especially would be served if there were more contrarian voices like not just talking about the not just talking about what i believe should be true is true but also just actually the story itself i think suffers because this whole plan essentially just like slides on through he's a master manipulator right up until it all falls apart 
is not as interesting as he's constantly hitting bumps in the road that yeah. like almost derail the plan. Right. Um, you know, I'm just saying the sheriff should have had to kill somebody. <laughs> well, someone did die, so there's that. Well, yeah, I mean, but that was their plan all along was to murder that guy with a cave. Two people died, though. Well, You're forgetting yeah. about our main character, who's, who I well, was talking about. Well, I mean, I am I, though? I I, I, I remember that he exists. I just don't care yeah. about him at all. Yeah. I... <laughs> I don't want to. I don't. Uh, backing up a second, just just the okay. idea that newspapers today would still play to uh, a a an objectively insane interpretation of what's going on. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely would, Adam. Uh, the the amount of I and I realize I exist in a different world than than the newspaper age and and what qualifies as a journalistic entity uh, in today's world uh, is is very different. But the amount of like rumor and news stories on coronavirus being uh uh sourced from chinese people eating live bats uh and yeah. and the uh the play of of you know the the constant uh, american uh racist prejudice against uh uh the chinese and other people of asian descent uh for eating weird stuff yeah, it certainly plays into that, right? It certainly plays into people's responses to coronavirus and 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 racist assumptions about uh, outsiders. Uh, even even you know, I see a lot of stories now, and I'm hearing a lot of things this week of Chinese Americans who have lived their entire lives in America being treated as if they are uh, uh, carriers, possible carriers of. Of coronavirus. Well, yeah, no and that it's... that was the that was a, a, a sort of I, I'm gonna, that was a sort of one of those initial responses <laughs> right, that you sort right, of ran right, into right, where right. it's like, oh god, it's an Asian person, stay away. It's like, right. what do you think? They're just I don't. What do you, what do you think is going to happen here? <laughs> right. And in your neck of the woods, I've seen I've seen reports of like a noodle shop in Tokyo closing absolutely. to anyone I mean, non-Japanese. Absolutely. It is. It is. I mean. Japanese people being racist against Chinese th- people <laughs> right, is right. like also, really pretty much the bread pretty, and butter, pretty established thing. Like right. pretty much like how how it's, it's, it's oh everything's working according to plan then, yeah. huh? Yeah. So you know the uh, the yellow journalism and is is network in the Criterion Collection? I always forget. I don't think it. I is. I don't know. Uh, that is not a question I can answer for you. It's not. It's not. Uh, Network is another another good movie from a couple of decades after this that uh, I think presages like this movie does the era of CNN, of Fox News, of the 24-hour news cycle, and the fact that any story be- can very easily become a media circus now because of the uh, desperate need for clicks and for eyes and for ad dollars. Uh, right associated with it now of course this one uh, this this movie does not get into an ad dollar motivation for for what's going on uh in fact the only promise of profit uh that uh douglas's character makes is by telling his boss i'm gonna save you 200 dollars a week because i'm a 250 dollar a week <laughs> pay guy and right. i'm gonna let you hire me for 50 dollars a week uh uh, 
Yeah. Like I, I my, my when that when this movie first started and it starts off in that sort of super intense way, I was like, oh, now I finally learned how to really get a job. <laughs> right, right. And I love all the interactions. Barge into that. somebody's office and just tell them like, right. You're giving me a job. <laughs> Let me tell you the exact I'm reasons why I was fired from every every job I've had. Yeah, exactly I'm a monster. Like you should I'm not hire me. Yeah. So when do I start? <laughs> yeah. And the guy goes uh, clearly goes back and forth. Mr. Boots clearly goes back and forth a couple of times. Uh, though I do love his final response was, was, and if you were to start an affair with Mrs. Boots, she would be very flattered. Yeah, that's the best part of the entire you, movie. She's a grandmother three times over. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, she would. She'd be very grateful for the attention or whatever yeah. it is. I. Yeah. It's the actually the best part of the entire oh, yeah. movie yeah. is the delivery of that line is. <laughs> oh, absolutely. One hundred percent. It's very good. One hundred percent. But I just mean that. Uh, yeah. We've all seen videos of uh, CNN reporters in CGI computer generated floodwaters. And <laughs> yeah, oh well, yeah. I mean, I've seen people leaning into wind that doesn't exist. Right. You know, and, you watch a dude just walk by in the background, like not even concerned. And holographic like, projections of election results, and just this desperate need to be. That's my. That's literally yeah. my favorite thing they do. The, yeah. the idea, the the idea that we not to derail things, yeah, but ahead. when the hologram started showing up, right. and it's like you know that's not a hologram, right? right. Because like that's not what a hologram right. is, right? Like you're just. You made a see-through 3D model rather than right, a not see-through right. one. That's not that's not how any of this works. <laughs> right. But but my point is that the the need to sell papers is what Douglas's character is in. And that's what he talks about with with the with the young kid, the the photographer, young reporter who's who's on with him that this kid went to journalism school, but Douglas didn't go to journalism school. He learned about what sells a good story by actually selling newspapers, you know, hawking papers on the corner. And that's that's his uh you know, his main goal here is to sell papers and and make money from selling papers. Uh and, you know, the business model has morphed over the years because Television channels don't need to sell newspapers. They need to sell ad space. And uh, and that's something that Network gets more into. And we'll have to watch. Since Network's not part of the collection, we will have to watch Network for a, for a bonus episode sometime. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm up for it. Yeah. Uh, the problem with Network is that any list I can think of putting on Network on is that we'll probably end up watching a different movie. Like if I just made a movie of films written by Patty Chayefsky, which I'd love to do. Uh, we're going to end up watching Altered States. That's what people are going to vote for. Right, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah, I get you. Yeah. Uh, You're going to have to make a real funky list to right. actually get what you want on that one. Right. right. But, uh, but yeah, my the idea that, that this story in particular could not become a big carnival, I think is... Uh, and that's not that's not right. what I'm arguing. I know. I know. Like I keep in mind, like I agree with the premise of what actually ends up happening as a result of what he has done. Yeah. Like that we we know like that this was a thing that happened in this era where sometimes and, and it happens to this day right like all you need to do is look at what happened with the the guy stuck in the cave and then somehow Elon Musk is calling a rescue <laughs> diver a pedophile right, right. Like, you know what I mean like it's like wait how did we get here what what is going on here and that was a bunch of kids um, stuck in a cave you know yeah. and, or the Chilean miners you know we can make a media circus out of a group of people stuck in a cave but an individual stuck in the cave when we can interview his wife. 
and and talk about like right. and that was, and, and when you can like really super personalize right, them yeah, right and it, something it, like it, the totally, Chilean no. miners is is a gold mine for 24 hour news services because then they can they can spend an hour talking about each individual miner and and personalizing right, yeah, I mean, them like really like yeah disasters to, work better now when they did uh, but but yeah uh that's the the other weird thing about the 24 hour news cycle is that uh, I think we were we were so uh so done with the Chilean miners by the time they actually made it out that uh my favorite news story of the Chilean miners is like an afterthought that people think I'll make <laughs> I made up and that was that one of them they started sending their laundry up for their wives to do and one of them yeah. uh uh, sent it up, and uh, both his wife and his mistress showed up to pick up the laundry. <laughs> nice, <laughs> and then, very good. And then they both refused to do the laundry, so he, nice. he had to well, borrow well, clothes well from the played. other guys. <laughs> yes, very good. Uh, so ah, you're the stinky one now. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, um, we're all down in this cave. But you're the stinky one. But you're the stinky one. But yeah, uh, particularly the being trapped in a cave obviously plays into this and this is based on a story i believe of a, a kentucky miner who was who was trapped in yeah a cave. i mean that's i mean it does seem fairly loosely yeah. based in the sense that like those the whole sort of setup is not the same right. but yeah right and we can think of you know uh, what baby jessica the the girl who fell down the well in the late 80s and 90s well yeah i mean people the... people in whole is like right classic news news right. reporting right right like it just it is right uh Right. Ah, you fell in a hole, huh? Yeah. And I don't know. He's a fast talker. And he, he talks himself into this job with Mr. Boots. But Mr. Boots also, I think, I think Mr. Boots is just too kind of a person. Like, like he takes pity on this guy yeah, by no, the end of the it conversation. Does, it does feel that anything. way, right? Like, right. Mr. Boots is just like, fine. Right, fine. <laughs> Whatever. I'll hire you. Just don't drink. Yeah. Just don't drink on the job. <laughs> That's basically his yeah. only... And the next scene is an untold amount of time later of this guy complaining about at least life a in year because he does mention a year. He yeah. says like it's supposed to be six weeks and I've been here a year. Yeah, yeah, or something to that effect. Right. He's just sitting, sitting there complaining about everything that's wrong with Albuquerque because there's no Yogi Berra and he can't get chopped chicken livers. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, he snubs his nose at his taco and a monster. fresh chicken taco. What an idiot indeed. What I would give. I mean, what I wouldn't give for a fresh chicken taco. I mean, I, yeah, I you could, joke. I could Mr. walk two blocks. Food and, trucks and, everywhere. And 50 cents like, on You one. know how hard I have to work for a chicken taco? <laughs> I could have I could have someone, by the time we finish the podcast, I could have 10 different companies bring me fresh chicken tacos. So. I, I really like how you doubled down on, on making me feel bad about myself today. Like, ah, Pat, I'm going to rub your nose in the fact that, like, chicken tacos are not generally available to you. I'm sorry, Pat. I'm sorry to... I'm make you suffer. I'm sorry to ma- mock you about your lack of Tex-Mex. Uh, to be it's, fair, it's I would... actually painful. I would love to live in a place where I could get extremely fresh sushi all the time, so... To the point yeah, I mean, where it's I was nice. sick of it. I mean, I'm so, not gonna. I'm yeah. not gonna. I'm not sick of it. You never get sick of it. <laughs> yeah. Extremely fresh sushi. Literally, you never get sick of right. it. Right. It never happens. Uh, you could eat it every day for the rest of your life and probably still be okay. <laughs> but yeah, this is still good. Uh, that being said, I'm just saying, way to rub my nose in it. <laughs> um, but 
No, I, I yeah. So I mean, yes, I, I like I said, I generally agree with the sort of the con like what the movie is saying about people. Right. Is fine, although I feel somewhat clumsy. Uh, just because it's so, it's just like I said, it's like a hammer over the head sort of thing, right? Where it's like, come on, guys, some subtlety, please, um, just a little bit. Actually, having it turn into an actual circus is a bit much. Um, but I, I do understand that that could actually happen. I'm just saying yeah. it is still a bit much. It is a bit much when it actually happens too. Um, but. Uh, my problem is more just that, like, again, it's just sort of the plotting to, like, make it all happen feels very... I feel it feels a li- like that this sheriff who run- who's the sheriff for, like, this rinky-dink town is, like, so worried about his election competition that he's going to let a person die in a mine to get it. Like, Listen, no one wants, have you met no one local wants him to die. But, yes, I have also met Sal. <laughs> I, I have not personally met. But I know they I are know news simultaneously of a lot of the Southeastern. least ambitious, yeah. and well, yeah, no, I I understand now, <laughs> right? Because that somehow somebody thought that that would be a way to like jockey yourself into like the public, uh, yeah. I mean, this guy doesn't seem to be trying to become America's sheriff. He's trying to stay sheriff of Tiny Town. Yes, and and also apparently has some stiff competition for sheriff of Tiny Town. <laughs> Between, Which is all between the under one thousand people who live in Tiny Town. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it seems very unbelievable. My guess is most people don't want to be sheriff because it would be a pain in their ass. <laughs> well, you got to organize like, the rattlesnake uh, shoot. That's what I'm saying. Is like, in my, like, and yeah, maybe things. You know, this is a, maybe a special situation, but like, I don't. And that's and the sheriff's not just not the only one that I find somewhat unbelievable. It's also just the fact that like, like I said. No one, we never achieve a point where people start calling bullshit. Right. And it, like, getting picked up by anybody else. Everything in this movie is over the top. There's a crew working on this. There's a crew working on this this drill. Presumably somebody on that crew knows how fucking caves work. Right. Everyone else on that that crew knows it's wrong. But the guy running the crew knows it's wrong. Right. But he's only doing it because the sheriff has leverage on him. Right. right, but the sheriff doesn't have leverage over all the individual workers right. who could go anonymously talk to a newspaper and not lose anything out of it. Right, right. And probably still get paid for it. Yeah. Well, You know what I mean? There's a reason why like that, that sort of thing happens even on jobs that are happening relatively up and up is because that, like, that dude who's operating that, like, you know, that, that drill – Dude number four operating drill has no personal investment right. in not just causing some shit. I don't Especially know, if a newspaper would uh, pay him for his anonymous tip. That is that is one legitimate complaint about this film, I think, is that the the focus on over the topness uh uh sort of goes in the opposite direction too. Is it I suppose it's under the bottom on the other end. Of 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 people the under the bottomness. The under the bottomness is that people who should be reacting to this much more strongly negatively uh aren't. Um you know Douglas does get called out a couple of times and but well, he always sort one, of I, I talks, him, really talks it out of right. 
Right, but like nobody gets talked out of shit that easily right. either, right? right? That guy who had that opinion is not just going to slink away and be like, well, guess she's right. Like, that's the sort of guy who would go talk to somebody about it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And he doesn't because that the movie needs him to not. Well, he, he tries to. He needs to the entire too, world though, to right? buy into. He's talking to no, a radio goes, announcer on air. Well, he's talking to a radio announcer who is already trying to interview whatever his name is, the, the main character. Right. Tatum or whatever Tatum. it is. Like, that's that, that. I don't feel like that that whole setup where radio guys are just interviewing Tatum would be the way, and then like, and then these, the way the other reporters work does feel somewhat disingenuous. Uh, disingenuous because they only seem to be interested in fluff pieces and interviewing Tatum. Right. What where like, this movie? We, you and I lived through America during multiple big news events, and one of the things that does happen is they interview. Not just random fluff people in the in the in the area. They also call up experts and then want to, because that's an easy way to sell your right. your right. version of the story. No... Is ah, my expert disagrees with the way they're doing this, right. or my expert thinks this, or even my expert agrees. Absolutely. And we don't. All we get is I'm going to interview this newspaper guy who keeps crawling in the hole. Right. I think like we I, lived through the Chilean miners. <laughs> there were there were experts right. all over the damn we, TV all the time, <laughs> and the uh, the the Thai soccer team where where Elon Musk keeps insisting that he can help, and all the experts say, "Yeah, they exactly. know That's you're what wrong." We're talking but about. we keep putting Elon Musk on. And we just keep putting you on the air because right. we can't help ourselves. It's just so addictive, like <laughs> your, crazy billionaire. Your MP3 like, submarine yeah, no. will totally work. It's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, but you know what I mean, right? Like, it, I'm not, I'm not. And that's what I think, I think that, like, that's sort of what bothered me was just that, yeah. like, like, wait a minute, like, what? everybody just goes along with it? Like, just everybody? What bothered me, and I, I, I kind of mentioned this already, what bothered me is the complete lack of interest from the other reporters when Tatum confesses that he manufactured this. Because yes. it either means yeah, I agree. that also, yeah. this is so normal for them to manufacture something like this that they don't think they're, it's newsworthy that he did this uh, or that they're just bad reporters. And I don't think they're meant to be bad reporters. So No, they're not. I know, I know you mentioned earlier the idea that like, oh, well, they're also they're all yeah. these kinds of reporters because they're they're right. reviewing this which is, kind of which is story. why they should be interested in Tatum confessing. To but this, like, right? yeah, like but like drowning him like. Like essentially shitting on his corpse is not a thing these guys should be afraid to do. Right, right. Now there you is. You know what I mean? Like it's just not. And and on top, of, I think there there's an argument to be made that they don't want to draw attention to the idea that this is how the news behind the news works. Uh, but also, I don't think that's a to uh, <laughs> no one, no one who has ever ever uh, been in a position like theirs has uh, been reticent about blaming someone else for doing the exact same thing they're doing. Right, right, right. And exactly. saying, "Look at this bad guy." <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, that's where it, where it sort of loses it to me. Uh, beyond that, there are a lot of very fun little moments. I I love. Oh yeah, no. I love that mm. as soon as he gets hired, the next scene has him in suspenders and and a belt as well. <laughs> yeah, just like Mister Boots. Uh, there's uh the "We're Coming Leo" song. That the 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 country band is singing uh, when we cut back to the carnival at one point. Yeah, 
uh, that's wildly inappropriate. I love the backstory yeah. on. Uh, Jay Livingston and Ray e- Evans were a couple of songwriters. Uh, they wrote uh, uh, Sarah Sarah. They wrote Buttons and Bows. They wrote Nat King Cole's Mona Lisa. Uh, that's Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa. Right. Uh, that's them. And Wilder hired them and told them to write the worst song they could think of. <laughs> I love it. Beautiful. <laughs> so they wrote We're Coming Late. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Which I think is also an obvious, uh, obvious oh, yeah. inspiration I mean, for, say, it, "Please, Mr. Kennedy," the song from uh, Inside You right. and Davis. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, just wildly bad. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's a lot of great moments in this film, and I think this, yeah, this movie successfully strings along its great moments. Um, it never seems especially slow. I don't think. Uh, even though it, it no yeah. no actually I would I would argue that it, it I would say that it is somewhat unevenly paced yeah uh, it does seem to pick up and then and then you know like especially when you're dealing with like some of the stuff about like um like right when he's while the carnival is being sort of constructed sort of like while it's appearing it does not get slow but it it feels uneven right. Uh, Right, because there's sort of the end has to sort of rush to this guy's death very quickly. Right. All of a sudden, there so. there is something to that that the the carnival itself never feels as hectic as the final ten minutes of this movie do. Right, and the final ten minutes are after the after the carnival's been been told to get the heck out of here. Right, right, uh, and you know he he announces via loudspeaker that this is all his fault too. Right. You know, not not yeah. in explicit detail, but but that loudspeaker is certainly being picked up by those radio microphones. So he's essentially confessed right. in front of everyone else anyway. So maybe that's why the other newspaper people aren't interested. They don't bother. They're like, yeah. oh well, we all know this now. <laughs> right. But I I still don't think like like I can't. Yeah, I would agree with you that like I can't believe that the especially these reporters wouldn't jump at the opportunity to just you know uh, kick him a yeah, little bit. Absolutely. You know? It's kind of unbelievable I agree. Uh, that they would not want to like pun it. Like even uh, yeah, I mean I know he's dead, but they these don't seem like the sorts of guys who care about that. For being honest, I agree. More recent reviewers uh, really like this movie. Ebert, writing in 2007, says, although the film is 56 years old, I found while watching it again that I still ha- it still has all its power. It hasn't aged because Wilder and his co-writers, Walter Newman and Lester Samuels, were so lean and mean with their dialogue. Kirk Douglas's focus and energy is almost scary. There's nothing dated about his performance. It's as right now as a sharpened knife. Uh, and describing the movie as as right now as a sharpened knife, I think, is more accurate than maybe a description of the state of journalism in 1951. But I also right. don't live in 1951. I can't say that for certain, right? right? I mean, my issue with that is, you know what that tells me, honestly? The dialogue in this, to a certain extent, does have a weird sort of Sorkin-esque quality to it. Yeah. That I don't particularly care for. Um, And so I wonder, like, I feel like that may be a sort of a stylistic choice that you either like or you don't like. Like that? I get why you say that but i think tatum's the only one who's too clever for his own good so that's true you are right about that but like that's why i said sort of i, yeah. I was kind of leaning towards a proto sorkin yeah rather than a 
a, full a on. A Sorkin-esque would be everyone talking like Tatum. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You are right about that. Where right. everyone's like, why is why is everybody apparently an improv genius? Right, right. So yeah, I I do understand that, and and maybe it's it's fair to say that Tatum's too too clever for his own good here, um, but uh, but also Kirk Douglas is just a phenomenal actor. So you know, there's that too. Yeah, <laughs> and Kirk Douglas the the uh, he's very good at. Uh, at portraying emotions with his face. And there are a lot of very good yes. faces in this movie as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does shine about... That is a thing that shines in this movie, yeah. is how... You, it, it's very easy to get emotionally invested because of the acting. Yeah. Um, and since he... It, and since it almost amounts to a one-man show anyway, like none of the other characters really are important that much... Um, that works fairly well, you know. Like none of all of our side characters are very much side characters, right? Right, right. And that's you know we've got one main character and he is the main character, um, and you know then you've got the love interest who shouldn't be a love interest and really just wants to get out of there, uh, who he slaps into staying. Hooray! Uh, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> I was just saying, Kirk Douglas just died. And as of when this posts, it'll be like uh, two months ago. But, but with our right. recording, it's it's only a couple of weeks. And uh, is it? Wait, what? Kirk Douglas? Oh, okay. I, sorry. No, no, no. I mean, like, I got, the way you said that got me very confused. Like, yeah. Wait a minute. I, like, I might. The way you described that really screwed yes. with whatever sort Kirk of. Kirk Douglas thing died at the beginning of, of February. There we go. Right, and that's why I was like, yeah. "Wait, it wasn't a few months ago, Adam." No, like by the time this, know, my brain's not working. By the time properly. people are hearing this, it will have been a few. Right, months gotcha. Ago. But is what I meant by that. Oh, Kirk Douglas passed away at the beginning of February, and uh, and his son uh, Michael Douglas came out and said that uh, that Kirk Douglas's dying wish was for uh, for people to vote for Michael Bloomberg, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> yes. Which 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 almost feels like Michael Douglas trying to pull an ace in the hole on this one. Yeah, it kind of does, right? Yeah. It's like, well, I'll just say something outrageous, and then the newspapers will pick up on it. And then the news story post-Kirk Douglas' death are the fact that Kirk Douglas left no money to Michael Douglas, but left all of his fortune, $61 million, to charity. But also, Michael Douglas doesn't need that money. So, like, what? Yeah, no, it's why like I don't thing? care if Michael Douglas gets this money. Right. What why does the why does the why does the TV think I care? Right, right. Like, no, I don't give a shit. Like <laughs> Exactly. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is Michael Douglas goes full Nicolas Cage and just starts making the shittiest, <laughs> craziest movies on earth. Right, right. Like that's the worst case scenario. Fine, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> right. Uh yeah. So, but yeah, getting, you know, get, coming full circle, I suppose. Uh, the ideas presented at Ace in a Hole, as uh, exemplified by the uh, Michael Bloomberg presidential campaign, <laughs> I think, think it's got well, some things I, to yeah, say but, there, too. <laughs> but, well, yeah, although I would like to point out that, like, I mean, depending on what you're trying to go with there is sort of what it means, like... That certainly is shit hit a lot of roadblocks. <laughs> right, right. Like, there's been that's a lot bad. of speed bumps on that path right, right there. You're right. There's been a lot of pushback. People can't, that. like, 
What's what what's the famous statement about like the only way to make sure that like a secret secret says a secret is if there's only one person who knows it, yeah. you know, or whatever it is. Like three people can take it, keep a secret if two of them are dead. Two of them are dead. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's I mean that, but that there's there's a reason why that's a saying, right? right. And like the idea that this guy could just like run rough sh- like you know what it is. I, okay, part of my problem is is that this movie simultaneously he hasn't be an asshole about the fact that he's kind of air quotes sort of out in the sticks. Yeah. Uh, and, and kind of portray him as it being a bad thing that like, ah, the, the big city guy has disdain for these local people, but then it also lets him run roughshod over the local people who, right. You know what I mean? Like it, it kind of wants to have its cake and eat it too, about how that, that sort of big city disdain for small town life is bad, but also apparently true. Right. Right. The uh, the closest thing we get to a sophisticated uh, local is a woman who is explicitly stated to be from Baltimore. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's it's not. It's but, just not playing fair on that particular feat. But I think it's I also. I don't know that it's necessarily saying just the locals are idiots too, because like the insurance salesman's not a local, right? He drives through with his family, and just and they're stopping here on their way to the lake. Where... Right, but he also has no. But he's not. But he's not who's. He's being commented on in a radically different way than like the people of this town are being commented on. Right, the people who stop at the circus are just rubberneckers. Like right. that's, like and everybody's that's accepted. A it, so yeah, everybody. The movie's not saying that that's special to local people or something like that. That's the thing that every. It's arguing that every human being will stop and watch a house fire. Yeah, because it's true, um, and and it's sad but true, you know. Whereas the local people, this big city guy runs roughshod over them, while the movie's also kind of trying to tell you that his belief that his big that him being a big city dude is better than these locals is bullshit. You know what I mean? It kind of because he's very probably due partially to excellent acting. Like, he's an asshole, and we're not supposed to like him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's one of those classic, like, we're supposed to, like, think that the way he treats these local people is bad. That they are, that he is looking down on them unfairly. But then he also is totally able to just dominate them with his super big city superpowers. Right. Right, but. Which I think is not fair that the movie did that. Yeah. I think the I think the movie is maybe trying to do something more subtle than you're giving it credit for, though. Okay. Because uh, Mr. Boots clearly responds the way he responds out of pity. Uh, yes. Herbie is a kid who just got out of journalism school, right? So he's he's hardly unsophisticated. He's a college graduate. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But that's. I mean. That's. Kind of neither here nor there, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> okay, that's not necessarily saying anything is what you're trying to imply, but yeah. <laughs> but I think in 1951 it's saying something. Uh, no, no, what I'm saying, not because of college, but what I'm saying is like that doesn't really address the the point that I'm talking about, yeah. which is like those are not the people that he's necessarily pulling a fast one on. Well, who's the people he's pulling a fast one on than you? Okay, uh, so like there is a town here. <laughs> There's a town of seven meet- people. No, there's a town, there's another town right next door that is not of seven okay. people. 
that is actually the town that's invested in this activity. We, we cannot pretend that the seven people town is completely isolated from the much larger town that he actually lives and works in. Fair. You know what I mean? Like, but I he mean... came from there. If he's able to drive there, then everybody else is able to drive there, and it's probably fairly invested. That's like saying Lexington. Well, it's only <laughs> it's only five thousand people. It is right fucking next door to Mansfield. Oh, right. like they are not independent habitations that have no influence on each other. That's not what I'm meaning to suggest, but what I am meaning to say is that given the people we actually interact with, whatever the movie may be, you may think it's generally saying about the locals. By and large, the locals we actually interact with are maybe not the smartest in some cases, but they are sophisticated and have their own motivations for what's going on. Right. Okay. So, and I agree with that. I understand what you're saying. But what I'm saying is the movie doesn't introduce anybody who's not that. Fair. That's my problem is the movie gives you exclusively three to four people who all have their individual motivations that are, that all allow this to come to pass. Right. Without presenting you with any, really any other human being. Yeah. What you're getting back to is the complaint we've already articulated is yes. that no one says this is bad. Right. But it, it goes, it goes further because the longer I think about it, the more I realize like, okay, well there's a town of, he looks down on not this small seven person town. He looks down on, the entire area that we're in, right? He looks down on Albuquerque and all these areas, yeah. right? As being, right. you know, bumpkin, middle of nowhere. But my problem is, is that, like, so, if he's doing that, then if it only introduces us to people who are these sort of operating under their self, their own personal motivations with who are not good people, it's either imply it, 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 without presenting anybody who is from that town... Who's a, who is theoretically being duped. You know what I mean? Like, just because you don't show them doesn't mean they don't exist, right? Like, there is a whole city and a whole town that is in which this circus is taking place. Yeah. And they don't, they fundamentally don't exist. There's only four people in this town. In this whole, in Albuquerque even, there's only four people. And so that's just my problem. It, it, it goes further than just why isn't there nobody raising an objection there's also just like he's able to just run roughshod over and like yeah these people all have motivations but he makes those motivations happen to a certain extent in all those people right like the sheriff was not going to leave that guy down there to win his election until this guy right made that happen but the sheriff Kirby was not going to the sheriff like, also wasn't going to come rescue this. the guy until no, he because the, the be rescue was going to happen of its own accord. Maybe. Probably. Like, I don't, I don't, just because, well, so we, we get into a weird dynamic here where we, we have the story we're presented with. We can't really, they're not going to leave this guy in the hole to die. Yeah, but left to its own devices, they don't have the funds to excav- excavate him out. So... I yeah, but I don't I don't I, if we're gonna argue that this guy made the rescue effort happen, like we can look at what happens with like when a minor gets trapped in the like it doesn't require a weird yellow journalist to make it a big enough story that somebody feels like maybe they should do their job, otherwise people will hate them. Yeah, but the Thai soccer kids have a built in sympathy. The Chilean miners have a corporation 
that doesn't want to look bad. Uh, what does Leo Minosa have? His dad who owns the shop that has one customer a day, maybe if they're lucky. Yeah, but I mean, he he doesn't. I, okay, so what I mean is there's not there's not a social or economic structure that incentivizes getting Leo out of that cave. I and I think and I think that is probably an unfair representation in and of itself, as though this person somehow is like a weird magical hermit that no one nobody knows, his, except for his dad. His wife hates him, <laughs> and his mom. Okay, doesn't so he speak knows English. two people. So. Oh, sorry. He knows three people. Like, no, that person doesn't exist. There are plenty of people like, who so, fall through it, social cracks. There is absolutely true. But like, even having a dad is probably enough to make somebody notice eventually. You would hope. You would hope. And there are like, other people you, around. And there I think, it, especially in a small town environment, especially like with the big city, there, I you feel like. What I'm saying is because because our main character is there so early on, he is able to sort of grab the narrative and, and I'm not, make sort of the rescue effort his. I'm not saying there wouldn't he... have been an effort to get Leo out. What I'm saying is that effort would have been a low enough priority to local authorities that Leo would have died anyway. Not that that makes I, I... not that that justifies Tatum's actions in any manner. I'm just thinking if this were to happen in real life. Leo probably would have died anyway, and much sooner. So, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that because you don't read a lot of newspaper articles about people who died in the cave without anybody noticing. That's because you don't write news stories about people who no one notices. So, yeah, well, that's, that's true. Self fulfilling. That path. Well, that that's true. You're right about <laughs> that. But I, I would argue that you do read a lot of newspaper stories about people dying alone because. People, like newspapers like to write those articles, yeah. Like post fact, like you know, past post facto, they like to write those. Like, oh well, nobody noticed that this guy just disappeared, and no one, no one cared. Um, Even though there were a good number of people who cared, but that's really the my point here is that there there are enough people in this world today who would go missing, um, and even even if we know where they are, the People who are looking for them, go on GoFundMe. The people who are looking for them or trying to help them uh, do not have the resources uh, to uh, to facilitate something getting done. Uh, and But I would argue that people down a hole is a weird scenario where that is less true than other scenarios. Be- because they can physically be found. It is extremely right. easy for it to become spectacular. Yeah. Very quickly, even without a weird yellow journalist being around. <laughs> All right, I, I'm just saying that, like that that sort of news, like eventually another newspaper would pick it up pretty quickly. Yeah, like the the newspaper that Mister Boots worked at would pick it up pretty quickly. Would have would have framed it differently, but would have picked it up. Would but it would have picked it up, and it yeah. would have become enough that it would have at least forced the local authorities to dress it quickly. Like I, what I'm saying is, is like actually the small town nature of what we're talking about makes this less likely what you're talking about than big city, right? In the sense that, like, yeah, maybe he only knows three people really well, but I guarantee you, a lot of people know his name. Yeah, and if they find out he's down a hole, they're gonna say, "Hey, maybe we should do something about that." Here's the Whereas, thing, though. you know, in a big city, 
Yeah. In a modern American environment, the news stories I'm going to hear about Leo, Leo Mimosa are that uh, the people of Gallup down the road uh, made a concerted effort to go and shop at Leo's dad's shop uh, in order to show that the community supports him in his time of grief. After well, his son yeah, died. but we don't live in the, what what year is this supposed to be taking place? We don't live in that time. We live in a in a different time. <laughs> like, let's keep in mind that there is there is a a noticeable time component I, to this about uh, society for real. Because, and I think I'm being more fair to what a community would do. <laughs> maybe today. I mean, again, like you, like people down a hole stories are real, real popular. They they pick That's up fair. steam real fast. Like just because it's not a kid, because there's a weird time crunch to it. People really enjoy the sort of tension yeah. of the whole thing. Um, and the fact I'm that they won't like, have to worry people about people dying. Like... People dying alone with no one, where the world doesn't care, is absolutely a thing yeah. all the time, constantly. But you don't think people dying down a hole is is a different animal that they as, where people actually know where. Yeah. I mean, people fall down a hole and no one knows where they went. That happens, yeah. for sure. But the fact okay? that they know where but that's he a is. matter of like, okay. yeah, right. they, somebody right. knows he's there. One of them doesn't care, but two of them do. All they have to do is tell five friends, and now a bunch of people. You know what I mean? Like it, it escalates very quickly. Um, the way that like because it's so it's I don't know these kind of stories. I think because they don't rely on identifying the person as necessarily a good person or a bad person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, whereas, like, other stories tend to have, like, it's very easy to frame, well, he got what he deserved or something. And I don't, you know, maybe it would get framed that way. It's yeah. possible. But I think you and I have different beliefs about what would happen on this case. I don't think we disagree about the fact that, like, yes, communities will absolutely <laughs> ignore the suffering of other people inside the community. Right. 100%. Right. I just don't think it'll happen when they're in a home. Okay. <laughs> Specifically. All right. Or like some other weird in an scenario, actual physical which hole. finds metaphorical intriguing. hole all the time. Yes, absolutely. But like, whenever the circumstances of the person's uh, trouble is intriguing to the populace, suddenly it's way more desirable to like deal with it. Right. You know, right. it doesn't have to be down a hole. It could be some other absurd circumstance where, like, ah, oh, I don't know. You, I can't think of a good example, but you know, yeah. I also I work food service. So, so another thing that plays into into my interpretation of this film is the fact that frequently I am asked, "What's the most popular thing to order here?" There are people, a lot of people, who are only into a thing because other people are into it, uh, and the fact that a lot of people stood to make a lot of money around people getting interested in this, and the more people got interested in it and the more people the more people who showed up to make money the more people got interested in it right yeah i agree with that that that's one thing this movie does by showing us the entrance fee goes from free to 25 cents to a dollar to whatever uh yeah totally like and i don't see any problem with that like i mean i do see a problem with that socially i'm saying like with the movie's representation of what would happen yeah what i'm saying is is like none of that's a problem my problem is is that at the heart of this narrative is a person who, like, that that sort of weird inclination of society is totally believable. My right. problem is the person who f- 
like uses his magic powers to will it into being. I just rather than just allowing it to happen organically, which would fair. what would actually happen. Fair, but I also think that, uh, and may, I don't, I don't know that we're that far away from 1951 in the economics of suffering, in, in or of relief of suffering. And the return on investment arguments and the monetization arguments and the fact that GoFundMe is uh, does more to get people health care than the American government. Um, OK, that's right. That's I probably mean, not I know I know fair, what you're saying. Still, I, uh, I, I know what you're saying yeah. and I don't disagree with what your premise is there. But a person not having health care is not a person down a hole. At it. <laughs> also fair. Also fair. Like you'll notice Physical. that the ones that do get GoFundMe, like that you you read those articles that talk about how you have to play like in order to get your GoFundMe to work, you have to play the game right. just right. Being the person down a hole, like an actual physical hole, is playing that game right. For lack of a better way to phrase that, like what I mean is like that's deeply intriguing. Yeah, and so it's going to pick up steam one way or another. And so it's not even that he, I believe he made it happen. What I mean is, is that the idea that like even what he does is necessary for this to go down this way is is almost problematic in and of itself, right? Like he he makes this happen, whereas we know that this would just happen without him. Yeah, you know what I mean. Does that make sense? Like he's the like. Again, I like I I enjoyed a lot about this movie, but like the idea that it wouldn't have been a clusterfuck without him. Come on now, I don't know, man. I don't know. You and I both live in this world. It would be a clusterfuck with or without him. I'm just not entirely and it would turn sure into a circus that enough enough momentum could be gained on Leo in a hole. Uh, Leo, who is only in the hole because he's stealing Indian artifacts. They don't see it as stealing. And of you course know not. Not in 1951. <laughs> like, Ilio is not stealing. Yeah. Let's be clear here in 1951 or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, that's not even that's not even a consideration. So that's not a fair argument. All right. <laughs> like, you got no me. one gives a shit in 1951. <laughs> we're barely. I don't think anybody. I mean, honestly, if we're being really brutally honest, I'm not sure. Right. How much traction that particular argument would gain in modern America. Uh as sad as it is to say. We may... we. I mean, look at the pipelines, man. Right. Look at the pipelines. We may be getting down to a... to a. You still think this movie is, is maybe too cynical, and I maybe don't think it's cynical enough at this point. Yeah, no, basically. And, I, and actually, like, I, no, I think... No, it's even more complicated than that. I think it's cynical in the wrong way. Yeah. You think it's cynical in the right way. But not, but not far enough. Uh, yeah, exactly. All right, all right. I just think, I think our main character is unnecessary for the entire function of the cynicism to work. All right, all right. Well, <laughs> well, let's leave off on that note, unless there's yeah. anything else you can think of. That you no, I have nothing, except for, I've, it, there's some good lines in it, yeah. and Kirk Douglas does a really good job. Uh, so that's cool. Yeah. So this week, we have been talking about Ace in the Hole. Uh, directed by Billy Wilder and starring Kirk Douglas from 1951. Uh, next week, we will uh, be getting a real treat. I have been looking forward to getting back to another uh, Andre Tarkovsky film 
And next week we'll be talking about Ivan's childhood uh, from 1962. Uh, Maybe not his best work, but at least it's another Tarkovsky. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I feel like in some ways it's getting back to our roots, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. It sounds weird, but... Yeah, but we look forward to that. Uh, thank you once again for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, Liam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Oatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.Bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and support us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it.